This is the Memory Palace. I'm Nate DeMeo. There were mornings after nor'easters or summer squalls when people would wake up to find hundreds had washed ashore in the night. Hundreds of writhing, pinching lobsters stranded by the storm tide. Hundreds of them scratching and sand-coated and starting to smell. And the people would trudge out into the half-light down to Agunquit or Sachuist or Horseneck Beach and wade into the undulating mass of clamoring crustaceans piled sometimes two feet high, deep enough so these 11 and 17 and 29-pound lobsters were clawing at these people's knees as they tried to shovel them back into the sea before they rotted and the flies and seagulls went to town there on the beach. And if they had the stomachs for it, they'd take one home for dinner. For the first couple of hundred years that white Europeans lived in North America, the lobster, the surf to filet mignon's turf, was peasant food. They were so plentiful that there was always one to eat if you couldn't afford anything better. They would just wash up by the wharfs in Boston. You could just wait till the tide went out and grab the ones that got trapped in the tide pools. Or you could wade out into the shallows and spear a 23-pounder. But you couldn't serve it at a restaurant. They were served in prisons. At Plymouth, Governor Bradford wrote of his shame when after that famously cruel winter, a new batch of pilgrims arrived and all he had to serve them was lobster, as though it were something that may or may not have once been a squirrel that he found in the interstate. There were too many of them for anyone to want them. Scarcity creates value, and no one could make any money selling something that you could just go out and get for yourself. But then people figured out ways to get them to places where people just couldn't go out and get them for themselves. And things changed for the lobster. In 1810, a man in France invented the tin can. A couple of decades later, people in Maine put the new invention to use. They hauled up lobsters by the hundreds of thousands and then shipped them a pound at a time in cans to the lobsterless corners of the world. And none of it tasted any good. Salted, blackened Maine lobster was little more than straight protein to fuel miners in the Sierra Nevada and loggers in Cameroon. But by 1870, people were sending live lobsters, lobsters that actually tasted good, inland on trains. And soon lobster palaces, grand restaurants devoted to the strange new arrivals from New England, Rose in Chicago and St. Louis. And the fanciest Midwesterners, kings of the cattle yards who'd grown tired of steak, furriers who tasted the future and found that it was shelled, would show their stations by eating crustaceans. Because food that had found its way to the shores of Lake Michigan from the shores of New England couldn't be peasant food. Not at those prices. And the lobster, as we know it on modern menus, was born. But the lobster as they knew it, and as seaside peoples had known it for millennia, was on its way out. In 1885, the American lobster industry hauled 130 million pounds of them up from the ocean. By 1919, the weigh-in was 30 million pounds. The population had collapsed under the weight of a 30-year binge of bibs and melted butter. Now, this isn't an extinction story per se. This isn't the story of the last passenger pigeon in North America or the last tree on Easter Island. Because there are lobsters, lots of them, but they aren't the lobsters they used to be. The biggest canning company in the 1880s had a policy that it couldn't use a lobster that was smaller than six pounds. That six pounds, smaller than two, wasn't considered fit for human consumption. 
The maitre d' at the Palm restaurant in D.C. tells me the biggest lobster in their tank right now is six pounds and $104. The National Fisheries Institute tells me that currently the most popular size in American restaurants is a pound and a quarter. It takes up to seven years for a lobster to grow to one pound. Now, a couple of years ago, there was a lobster named Goliath in a tank at a sports bar in Taunton, Massachusetts. He weighed 20 pounds. During halftime of the 2008 Super Bowl, a 35-year-old woman from Medway won Goliath in a raffle, and she didn't eat him. She wrapped him in towels soaked in cold salt water and drove an hour up Route 24 to Boston and handed him over to the New England Aquarium. Two weeks later, he was on a flight to Montreal. An aquarium there wanted a monster lobster of its own. So rare is a 20-pound lobster that heaven and earth, or at least the resources of two aquariums, one airline, and various customs officials were moved to ensure the safe relocation of the type of crustacean, the sight of which, for most of human history, wouldn't have moved an eyebrow. Biologists at the aquarium say he's adjusted well to life in the tank, the tank where he theoretically could live for decades and decades longer, safe from nets and traps. Because it turns out that no one knows how long a lobster can live, and no one knows how big they can grow. We just know that they don't get the chance to anymore. <laughs>